0: Hello everyone and welcome back to the TSD podcast. Today I have with me a guest, his name is Wolf, goes by I am True Wolf on Instagram. So if I'm not mistaken, you you have a few different streams, but you're a, you have a podcast which focuses on hip hop and its influence worldwide. So would you like to tell us a bit about that and introduce yourself?
1: Absolutely. First and foremost, I want to thank you for the opportunity, Anish, to come on your podcast. I'm a fan of yours. I love everything that you embody and represent, and I want to continue to encourage you to do everything that you can to leave an impact on society. My name is Wealth. The reason I got that name is because uh, I have a wealth of talents, and you're absolutely right. I do have a couple different streams of content, if you will, uh, but the main one is Hip Hop Legal, and Hip Hop Legal is sort of a combination of two of my passions. In terms of my day job, which is working at a law firm, my hope and dream is to become an attorney at some point in my life. But uh, I am a hip hop head to the core. You know, I could remember as a kid opening my my first CD or getting just my my first opportunity to listen to Big Daddy Kane rock him, you know, and even uh, outcast because I was a 90s baby for the most part. But hip hop has left an indelible mark on my life. And it's because of that I decided to sort of merge those two concepts and create this platform called Hip Hop Legal. And also I thought about the fact that, you know, these hip hop artists are constantly needing legal help, if you will. Right. Because of of the fact that they are either getting into trouble uh, in terms of being arrested and having problems with the law, and then also needing legal representation. It's an unspoken fact that in America, lawyers are able to find different lanes for themselves. And, and in hip hop, you know, you're going to always need a lawyer, whether it's signing a contract, helping yeah. you to broker that deal with a major corporation. And and so I think it makes sense. And uh, finally, uh, the biggest thing is to just educate, activate and motivate the youth to realize that they don't necessarily have to take the conventional path, with, which is just striving to be a rapper. I mean, they're, different opportunities out there within the rap world for um, individuals to function and to prosper. And furthermore, you know, it's all about thinking outside of the box and not being a follower and being a leader. And so I just want to show folks that no, you know what, no matter where you're at in life, you can still be unapologetically hip hop and be honest to yourself at the core but exist in a corporate America space. And so that's who I am. You know, again, I thank you for the opportunity and I look forward to to having this conversation with you today.
0: For sure. Thank you for being on the podcast. So there's a few things that you wanted to talk about. Uh, Firstly, you wanted to talk about influence of hip hop worldwide and Being a rap artist myself, I certainly see that influence. In fact, one of the main reasons why I started doing hip-hop was because I was inspired by some of the artists who use their music as a means to spread awareness and bring about change. So what are your thoughts about that? And who would you say are your favorite artists in that sphere of talking about world issues through their music and hoping to bring about a change?
1: Yeah, well, you know, first and foremost, I want to say your story exemplifies the beauty of hip hop, right? And, and if you think about an art form that was started in um, uh, buildings over in the Bronx when there were tough times going on right? Uh, and folks did not have anything to cling to, no sort of social programs. But what they did have is big speakers <laughs> and able to use their resources, which weren't many, using turntables, effectively putting uh, records on those turntables And then being creative enough to say, hey, let's scratch these things up a little bit and let's create a vibe based off of that. So you got that. And and from that, obviously the B-boys that came about and then hip hop as, you know, in terms of cultural peace, meaning the different components of it and how that has spawned into this worldwide phenomena. I mean, obviously now it's a little bit more watered down. And, you know, again, I, I just think that No one would imagine that here we are in 2018 where we have a niche, you know, the uh, Annihilate um, that is doing huge things over in India in terms of putting (laughs) out his music. And so I I think it's a a beautiful story, man. And if the uh, originators, Marley Marl, would love to hear stories about you because it's like, wow, this is the impact that I had on the world, you know. And so, yeah. again, I just I encourage you. But in terms of, of me and, and who, you know, my favorite artists are in terms of worldwide impact. And and it's always a tough question to answer because obviously you got to pay homage to the um, originators, the ones that uh, created the art form. So, yeah. you know, I did mention Marley Mall. You know, obviously there are those guys from that early era. I mentioned one earlier, Rakim. But for me, sort of going yeah. down the line, because like I said, I'm a 90s baby, so Nas has to be up there. And then, you know, you got to put Ooh, the, Nas. Understood.
0: Oh, yeah, Nas. I love him too. I, I yeah. He was like one of my main inspirations for my uh, recent uh, album, uh, or really? sorry, EP, Liberty. Okay. So I actually started writing those songs on Nas beats. Oh. And then I, I transformed them into my own beats. So, wow. Uh, yeah, 90s hip-hop did have a big influence, especially Nas's music. Hey, so I, even though I'm 16 years old, I'm part of the new generation, I, I really like 90s hip-hop. Wow. And I've listened to a lot of Nas' music.
1: Bro, listen, I commend you, man, because we're, we're sort of missing that. Over in the States, it's a different kind <laughs> of vibe here, <laughs> which I don't know. I mean, it's it's a gift and yeah. a curse. It's, there are positives and negatives behind it. I'm sure the, these young guys are able to make money but to what end? Because, you know, oftentimes and again, when when I think about like the hip hop legal brand, it, it's sort of exposing, you know, like I think for, from a real intellectual standpoint, you can see how this music is somewhat detrimental to the plight of our youth in, in terms of the ignorance and not providing a, a more educated space for, you know, the young kids yeah. that are coming up and, and even adults to just use hip-hop as something that's bigger than just music, right? Because people always say, you know what, I I just want to get the vibe and I want to dance in the club. And and that's all fine and dandy, but that can't be like the overall image of, you know, and what's popular. I think what sucks is that in the 90s, you you had a variety. Sure, you had your ignorant stuff, but you also had your conscious stuff that could become, you know, this powerful force. And I feel personally that it is intertwined with the meaning the uh, destruction of conscious hip hop is intertwined with the prison industrial complex america's lack of providing education and that uh, quality education that is and also you know just different issues i, I think it's all interconnected because i feel that it, it's a way to destroy certain communities and keep certain folks uh, in a particular position. But that's just my, my personal thought on it. And I think you know it's always good to have an intellectual conversation about it. But when you think about these corporate leaders and executives, it stands to reason that they would sit down and say, hey, you know what? This thing could become a problem. If we have too many folks that uh, traditionally were uneducated, living in the hood, becoming more educated, and then finding, um, feeling inspired to get out and vote and be conscious and read and do those kinds of things, then we won't have a large swath of society that we can take advantage of, provide them with less than adequate education, take them down the path of complete failure so that eventually we can lock them up. America has an insatiable appetite for locking up its people. And, and numbers don't lie. Facts speak to that. So, you know, I'm sorry for getting on my soapbox, but I'm deeply passionate about that issue because, I, again, I think anyone that is enlightened enough can sort of see how it all connects. I love to use the example of young Jeezy in the era of the snowman. And, you know, it's interesting. There, there's a rapper now. His name is Rollo. He's locked up for some conspiracy situation. And obviously he did certain things on his end to get himself locked up. But, you know, he mentioned in an interview, he said, you know what? Um, all I, the examples that I had growing up were guys that were trying to sell drugs that were doing these negative things to make money so that they can, you know, show off and let people know that they have money. And I remember that era where young Jeezy had his snowman shirt and all the talk was drug innuendo and you know, selling drugs and becoming this major kingpin. And I tell you, there's a lot of people that were, uh, you know, uh, casualties of that particular era. Now, and, and then also the concept of trap, right? Which is a place where drugs are being sold. That has become something that is cool. But you know, the first time I heard that term, yeah. and, and it sort of connects back to your original question, which is who are the, my my favorite rappers? Um, Outkast and Spodiote Dopalicious, I believe, is the name of the song. But they mentioned at the end, Andre three thousand is talking, and he says, "Now I'm in a trap." And exactly that I'm trapped something to that extent. But I remember as a kid hearing that, I'm like, wow, that, that resonated with me. And I didn't know what a trap was back then. But when I got older and I, and I heard the term trap, I'm like, Oh, that's what he meant. As opposed to the first time I'm hearing it. And then it being glorified as somewhere that I should be, that I should be spending my time selling drugs, which again, if you're in a trap, you're trapped. So, You know, and and again, I mean, you know, uh, you can take out the violin and and hear me (laughs) play that in the background as I go on my tangent. But but hip hop is a beautiful thing, man. And and, I mean, there's so many guys that that I appreciate and love, Um, you know, but I would and I think this is my first time giving a definitive answer. If there's anyone that I would put on the top of my top five list in terms of global impact, it would have to be Tupac now because, again, I mean, the conversations are still being had about this guy. You talk about a monumental figure. But what's unfortunate, though, is the fact that I don't think he understood his true power. And, you know, unfortunately, the streets became part of his demise. Now, I will say the caveat is that while I appreciate and and, and love Tupac in in terms of putting him on on top of my list, when I do top five lists, I always say I think it's important to have different versions of top five lists. So in this case, I said the top five with worldwide appeal. Now, I think there would be an, if there was a top five lyricist of all time, I would maybe put the Notorious B.I.G. up there. And, and dude, I, I love to give the example. And if you just right. bear with me, because this is like hip hop, right? Check it, His verse on Notorious Thugs. Let me just sort of go through it for a second. Armed and dangerous. Ain't too many can't bang with us. I don't want to use profanity. Profanity, Anish. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I want to be respectful of your your platform
0: here. You can. I mean, I usually don't, but like my my podcast platform, like I can. In this context, it's fine
1: okay okay well and, and uh let's just start with with an open quote here's how we go i um, and dangerous ain't too many can't bang with us straight up weed no angel us. label us notorious thug ass niggas that love the bus is stranger us y'all niggas be scrambling gambling upper restaurants with mandolins and violins we're just sitting here trying to win try not sin high off weed and lots of gin so much smoke need oxygen Suddenly count them Benjamins. Nigga, you should too. If you knew what this game would do to you. Been in this shit since 92. Look at all the bullshit I've been through. So called beef with you know who. Fuck you, female stars are too. Then a move like niggas move like Mike. Shit, not to be fucked with. Motherfucker better duck quit. Cause me and my dogs love the buck shit. Fuck the luck shit, strictly aim. No aspirations to quit the game. Spit your game, talk your shit. Grab your gat, call your clip, squeeze your clip, hit the right one. Pass that weed, got the light one. All them hoes got the light one. All them niggas that got the fight one situation this is a tight one what you gonna do fight or run seems to me that you'll take b bone and beard nigga die slowly i'm gonna tell you like a nigga told me cash through everything around me shit lyrically niggas can't see me fuck it ride a coat cut the coat cut it know the bitch before you call yourself loving it nigga would have been fucking it doesn't it see all to you big come through with mobs and crews good fellas down to the mo thugs dude who's a killer me or you dude that's like a there should be a dissertation done on that he creates the like he breaks down precisely who he is right and how he's moving. <laughs> and at the end of it, right. asks you the question. So right. who's the killer? Me or you? <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's like masterful. And, and it gives me chills. I mean, the Notorious B.I.G. is just a masterful uh, a writer. Someone that maybe, uh, if life had given him more opportunities, could have been a PhD somewhere. <laughs> you know? I mean... Again, if you break down the lyrics, it's (laughs) it's just like, I mean, these are our modern day poets, man. And that's why we have to appreciate and revere these guys. So that's why it bothers me when, you know, I hear like some of these established new school rappers say that not only that they don't know about a Tupac or an Notorious B.I.G., but as if they don't care. I mean, it's one thing to have your lane and decide that you want to make just club music. That's how you're going to make your money. God bless you. But, I mean, how? when did it become cool to put down the the ones that, that paved the way and that did things at, like, the highest level? You know, I, I mean, mediocrity, and, right. and that's what some of these guys should hope for because they're not going to be able to touch the level of a Notorious B.I.G. or Tupac. I mean, but, again, so th- these guys right. were able to establish hip-hop And then you're going to say that you don't care about them and have this attitude as if they don't matter. It's unfortunate. But, you know, again, I don't want to look at the negatives. Just thinking about some of the newer guys that are out now, obviously the J. Coles of the world, the um, Kendrick Lamars of the world, the Meek Mills of the world when when he wants to. because some of the stuff, the the access with Meek Mill, as I think would just put him in a tough situation in terms of his legal issues now, which. uh, I'm going to eventually do a specific episode about him. But I touched upon his situation, and I've been following it closely in terms of his legal issues. But he's somebody that I respect. And then for me, like one of the best guys that may not be like of this newer crop of rappers, but within the past 10 years has to be Lupe Fiasco. I think their levels of rapping and, and Lupe for me is like at the top. I mean, you talk about... I mentioned how Notorious B.I.G. could have been a professor. I feel like Lupe Fiasco is a professor that decided to rap. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a beautiful space. Thank <laughs> you for the question.
0: Right, yeah. I mean, I've heard of Lupe Fiasco. I, I haven't listened to many of uh, oh many of his God. songs. I haven't listened to much of his music. I, yeah, uh, I better it, get it, to it, and it would truly scene. help you. Um, but, yeah, l- like you said, there 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 are for sure also um a lot of talented uh, new school rappers for me my uh, my my favorites uh, would be journal <clears> lucas <throat> and uh, Hobson, actually uh, hopson gets a lot of hate for being too yeah. preachy or too corny and stuff like that if you look at some of his music like he some of his songs like ill mind of Hobson 5 that whole ill mind series like he's He's really got a gong in the storytelling, um, mm. you know, side of side of rapping. Uh, his new song "Hotel in Sydney" from his most recent album. He's, I think, he's a really talented guy. He can tell stories very well, while at the same time keeping uh, complex, multi-syllable rhyme schemes. So he's also oh, um, wow. a big inspiration. That, 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 that's awesome, me. dude. Um, Look, you know the thing about Hobson, and I've heard people so, say this
1: is that uh, he sounds like Eminem too much, which I don't get. I mean. What's wrong with that? You know, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. People are going to. Oh, and that's the thing. In, in the States, folks are critical over the stupidest things. Yeah. I mean, you could be the best lyricist, use multisyllabic uh, rhyme patterns and, and, and just be a beast. But if they don't want to give you that mainstream uh, response and, and allow you to make it and in, break into the mainstream, then they're going to find whatever reason that, that that they want to. You know, they, they might talk about um, the way that he looks, the, the thing about Joyner though, that's interesting. Right. Um, I've I've heard a few conversations this past week on another platform, this show on Con- Complex um online. They mentioned that he hasn't been able to get like that one hit that allows him to crack into the mainstream because he has the other intangibles. And as far as lyrical, I mean, he's he's a the lyrical miracle. I, I love to say it that way. That that's the um joke, lyrical miracle, right? But um, he has that. Go ahead.
0: Uh, his song uh, you've heard i'm not racist yeah yeah that, that was like uh, because that's actually what made me discover him and when i looked at his older music he's been rapping for a long time he's he's really talented looked at his o- uh, older music he had some really good storytelling songs back then as well and yeah. i think that, that did at least help him uh like break his way into the industry but then he didn't use the heat that he got from that song enough like okay he made a couple songs with chris brown but uh-huh. like he had a a bit of a Hiatus. He had a little bit of a break after he, he started getting a lot of exposure. People are calling that he would be one of the biggest things in 2018, back at the end of 2017. But uh, he, he didn't really make too many moves because he, he had a lot of exposure at that point, and he should have. And now he's working with Eminem, well, and that's great. Here's yeah, that's the knock him on him.
1: And sorry but, um, to cut you off. Here's the knock on him. It's two things. Number one, they, they're saying that he's not as personable. Some of these guys, the problem is that they have a chip on their shoulder, right? Because once you start getting that opportunity to, to crack into the mainstream, and again, he did an interview on, on one of these other platforms out there where he just seemed very standoffish and, you know, very anti this new wave of rappers. And and sometimes that gets taken the wrong right. way where people start to say, oh, you're just a, you know, you think you're all that. <laughs> and, and I guess the personality didn't shine as much. Now, the other thing is that I'm Not Racist video some people were saying that the video uh, outshine the song like the song was awesome, but the video was so impactful. And I remember I met a guy and he said, oh, you mean joining Lucas, the white guy? And I'm like, what do you mean? And he said, oh, yeah, I saw this old white guy rapping. And I'm like, no, that was the depiction. That... <laughs> yeah. And so I'm like, oh, I, I get it. I get it. I mean, and, you know, so it's, I guess it's yeah. a good problem. I so the people- good news, though, is that. Yeah, go ahead.
0: Yeah, I, I saw people who, who thought that um, it, was, it was a white guy and, I, and they got like, they got really pissed and they went off the video or something. Like, the, the, yeah. the, the first, <laughs> first one I saw, I, I didn't really know what to think about it because I, I did understand a lot of the things that, uh, that in that perspective, that he was saying. Obviously, a lot of things I disagreed with, but a lot of things I did also agree with and, and saw where that guy was coming from. But then I, I wasn't really sure what to think about it. And then I, I saw the other perspective and I realized what was going on and I, and I realized that, oh, this is truly a master
1: yeah tell me about it and look the good news is that he has a song now which apparently it's gonna it's gonna be a hit i mean it sounds good and it has all of the um makings of a hit song in america and once he does that you know he'll be able to crack into the mainstream i think he did have some beef with logic for a little bit i don't know i don't know if it (laughs) was manufactured because that's another issue too that that happens these guys manufacture beef just so that they can stay in, in the in, in the media spotlight. Uh, you know, right. one, one of the dudes that, that loves doing that. And I, you know, I, he provides so much content for me on hip hop legal, but, um, Takashi six, uh, nine, uh, is one <laughs> of the main <laughs> orchestrators of that concept of trolling. And, and it, again, it, tying it what back I, to the, uh, uh, how we started the conversation in terms of hip hop's global response and where it's at now globally. And, you know, I mean, to think that now you have a kid that is, Half Mexican, half Puerto Rican, um, has six nine tattooed all over his body, um, has uh, rainbow colored hair and going around trolling people. And look, if it was just that and it was just like, you know, some pop culture kind of thing, because hip hop culture has become like pop culture because everybody pays attention to it. And it goes to show you like what what cool is. Right hip-hop is the coolest thing on yeah. the face of the planet corporations are understanding that and, and major companies so on and so forth but the the problem with takashi 69 is that he tries to take the stuff to the streets and god, god bless him i mean the kid i don't think understands the ramifications of telling a grown man to s uh suck your d you know to to use sort of some vile profanity <laughs> that in america these are things that would make you liable to get killed in certain places, man? And so you might have the money now, but right. I mean, someday you're going to have to deal with and be held accountable for how you treated people. And so I just, I wish him the best, but, but he's really faced right. some issues even from a legal standpoint. Um, I'm curious to see how this stuff plays out, but uh, his crew, Trey way uh, being nine trade gangsters, a, a blood sick, you know, could have some problems with the feds. And, and potentially fall under a federal uh, indictment here, but you know, like I said, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. But I mean, yeah, Takashi 69 is one of those guys that that speaks to the idea of people just wanting to see like the drama and, and also see a train wreck and however that yeah. that that comes, you know.
0: Right. So, um, w- w- one one more thing. Um, so the thing is, I I have I usually. Mm-hmm when my podcasts are usually about news and politics and a lot of my followers are um, on the republican side on the right-wing side Uh, and and one thing that would be very relevant to them today would be um, Kanye's uh, what he's done recently um, as well as um, uh, like the thing is with that like sorry to go off on a tangent here but the the thing about um, that side of the political spectrum when it comes to hip-hop I think a lot of them see hip hop as this you know this bad thing that influences kids to to drink alcohol and do drugs and sure a new school um pop hip hop or a new school trap uh, as as people call it does for sure um encourage mm-hmm. that kind of stuff but they they look they overlook all of the talented artists that actually make a a good impact on pe- on young people and actually help to bring about change when it comes to actual issues so th- that's something that i've tried to talk to about um if i have certain friends who have um republican views because when it comes to p- politics i'm also more right-wing that way but um, um back to hip-hop the thing is um we were talking about kanye and uh, Kanye has actually done a few things. He he met uh, with President Trump recently. He talked about the, the 13th Amendment. He talked about uh, problems in Chicago. And while uh, there was a lot of media outrage, I think it was pretty good that he did that because he, he touched on some important uh, issues. And while he, his w- method of talking wasn't necessarily that good, uh, I think it's good that he's doing this. And uh, uh, yes, he does have certain problems. He's not the best at defending his political positions. He's not the best at defending his stance. But I do appreciate his ability to step out of the box, think for himself, and actually you know, be open about his opinion and express it.
1: Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. L- let me ask you this first and foremost. H- how does like being on the right in, in India uh, differ from being on the right in in the States in America?
0: Well… I'd say for me, when it comes to being on the right, I I, I wouldn't talk about the movement. I'd talk about uh, the the ideology because I find mm-hmm. a, a lot of uh, problems with the left and the right when it comes to the movement. But ideologically, mm-hmm. the idea of individualism, um, capitalism, getting what you earn, that kind of stuff, that really rings with me. So I yeah. I I'm, I'm right wing that way. Uh, when it comes to the movement uh, in in America, obviously you have currently you have the Republican Party you have Donald Trump uh, as the face of the Republican Party at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so it's it's changed over the years. Uh, right now, it's it's in a in more of a more of a, a moderate uh, view. There's there still is um, a push to become more right wing, more libertarian laws. There's Ted Cruz, Rand Paul, people advocating for a flat tax, which I actually resonate more with than uh, Trump's um, economic policies. But uh, in in India, when it comes to the right wing, currently we do have a. a, a um, People would consider him a right-wing prime minister. He's for he's for the BJP party, which is considered the major right-wing party in India. Mm-hmm. And uh, for for, the, for this, would, the thing is, there is not too big a difference between the two parties when it comes to um, policy, but there is a difference when it comes to economic policy. And uh, the main thing about the the about BJP and what the current prime minister is doing well is economic privatization, and that's that's actually helping India a lot. Um, you, you must have heard that India is currently the fastest growing large-scale economy. Mm. Uh, and and that's, that's heavily due to the fact that we, we have a more hands-off approach because the, the government was was controlling a lot. And as you might know, you've probably heard, there's a lot of problems with the Indian government. There's a lot of problems with people paying their taxes. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of problems in general. There's a lot of co- corruption. So when the government was controlling too much, there was a lot of problems uh, within our country. So now that th- there, are, there is more privatization when it comes to uh, the Indian economy, that's helping a lot and and that's why uh currently Prime Minister Narendra Modi ha- is very popular and that's uh there's not a particular right-wing movement when it comes to India but if there was you'd attribute it to be not necessarily BJP as a party but more of their ideology which is uh Hinduism because Hinduism is a very strong religion the majority of people mm. here are Hindu and uh Hindu nationalism to an extent and uh the idea of economic privatization that that would be the two main things when it comes to the right wing in India, as far as I'm concerned.
1: Wow. Thank you for the uh, thorough breakdown, uh, Anish. I mean, uh, if, if I'm, if I understand correct, BJP uh, uh, Hinduism as nationalism and then economic privatization, because I'm taking right. my notes here as well. You know, I, I feel like you can always learn and, and you're a real smart dude, man. But I mean, nice. look, listen, I, I'll say first and foremost, my uh, political leanings is um, I'm actually a libertarian as well. Um, uh, right. on its I'm, face. I'm,
0: when it comes to my ideology, I'm I'm more libertarian than conservative. Yeah. But considering that w- when you're a libertarian econ- economically, that makes you right wing. Ideologically, I'm far right libertarian because I believe strongly in the free market and uh, less government intervention uh, in, in the economy as well as in people's personal life. What? So that makes me a right wing libertarian. But that doesn't mean that I – resonate with all the ideas uh, currently that are with the right-wing movement like economic nationalism uh, tariffs i don't agree with them at all uh-huh. um when it comes to um, fundamentalist religion th- there's some things that i don't agree with but uh yeah so ideologically i'd say that's where i stand
1: let me ask you a question though. what about in terms of uh, uh the, the right-wing social stance in india
0: the social okay, on social yeah So I'd say that has to do more with religion. And and, and I think
1: that's what might differ a little bit versus uh, America, but I'm sorry, go ahead.
0: Because I am not an expert on Indian politics. I actually know more about American politics than I do know about Indian politics. But um, what I think is Mm. that um, in India, socially, there's a lot of problems in in India when it comes to politics. There still is corruption, even BJP, which is a party that I I tend to agree with more than Congress, which is its uh, left wing opposition. Um, they have a lot of problems with corruption. There was a, a very extreme guy in the party who I think advocated killing Muslims, and I, I don't agree with that mm. at all, obviously. But uh, when it comes mm. to the social standpoint of BJP and uh, the right wing in India, yeah, it, it, it it's more stuff to do with religion, and that's also a problem I have with with BJP is because, for example, they banned um, cow slaughter, and uh, although I am I am a Hindu and in in our religion, we consider cows to be a, a sacred, holy animals. Because, Absolutely, because there's mm-hmm. uh, we consider them to be some million uh, millions of gods within the cow. So it's it 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 has cultural meaning to us. But when it comes to the economy, when it comes to these things, when it comes to libertarianism, I don't really think it was the best idea to um, ban cow slaughter entirely. I mean, it has been overturned the decision in many states. But it still exists in some states. In some states, there's a total beef ban, even consumption. Uh, but yeah, so it comes to religious principles when it comes to the social standpoints of um, BJP and the right wing here in India.
1: Got you. And look again. Thank you for the thorough breakdown, man. I mean, it's very enlightening, and you know, I want to appreciate you for making me a little bit more, a little bit smarter uh, today. <laughs> but listen, I mean, look. The thing about American politics is this. And again, I I said that I I lean um, uh, libertarian. And you know what's interesting? I had an ex-girlfriend that was a Tea Party patriot. Have you ever heard of the Tea Party movement?
0: Yeah, I I actually – a lot of what I've heard about the Tea Party movement, I I agree with.
1: Yeah, and and look, listen, here's the thing, dude. I'm a black guy, right? Uh, Right. I I don't – I try to to not like uh, – make that uh, something that is, is at the forefront of a conversation. And, and, and for me, it, it's beyond that because I, I try to see a person's mind as opposed to what they look like. But in America, uh, I think race is, is a, a an issue that uh, is always apparent, you know. And so unfortunately, you don't see too many black folks that even want to begin to understand about the Tea Party or the Conservative Party uh, in America. But, you know, my, my ex-girlfriend, um, and she was an Italian chick, uh, but she she told me that when it comes to libertarians look at it almost like a um it's almost like a cross right uh you got uh right and left on that cross but then you have up and down she said a libertarian yeah. would be like further down but then to the right which i, I forget her rationale yeah. behind that but it sort of did make sense because you know certain views might resonate with you in terms of um. Um. Uh. Or resonate with conservatives in the Republican Party, but but other views don't. So I always found that interesting. But listen, as far as this whole Kanye uh, d- debate goes, I-, I find it uh to be extremely fascinating. And for me, I said on my podcast that Kanye is a revolutionary man. Um. What he did in terms of going in and having right. a sit down with with Trump, I commend him through and through for it. Uh, putting the narcissism aside. In him trying to accomplish his own interests. I posted something on my own personal Instagram, um, I am true wealth, uh, where I was like, you know, you can see him uh, playing out some of the rules and or the laws in the 48 laws of power, which is a great book by Robert Greene out there. Folks haven't read it. But, you know, you got him uh, uh, building Trump and, and, and making Trump feel like the master um, I forget what law that is, but but, you know, Trump felt comfortable and felt good to have this guy there stroking his ego. And for someone that loves to stroke his own ego, it was interesting to see Kanye in that position. But it goes to show you how money talks. And, and so Trump, being the billionaire that he is, uh, gave him an opportunity to talk and then using the media because, you know, Trump said himself, hey, listen, there were a lot of different things going on today. But uh, it seems like no one else was interested in hearing me talk to Senator Jeff Flake or (laughs) I don't know who else, uh, uh, (laughs) whatever other senator. They wanted to see me talk to Kanye and and Jim Brown, which is also a national uh, icon. But I feel like in America, identity politics is is a major issue, you know, and and racial politics as well. I think on on one absolutely on one end of the spectrum, you have. Liberals, And again, these are just my, my personal opinions on it. And the thing is, I'm okay with saying that I don't have all the answers. I, I think another problem is that folks want to say, hey, you know, I'm on this side of the spectrum and it's either you believe my way or you're completely wrong and we have to disrespect and and, and call each other names and that that's going to be the end of it as opposed to, hey, th- this is my opinion. Right. This is your opinion. Well, okay, let's try to come up with an opinion or a thought and a solution that's going to help out the country at this particular time, right. you know, cause I think answers are fluid. It, you, it can't be the same exactly. answer every time. And from an intellectual standpoint, you got to be willing to uh, hear yeah. uh, other arguments that are contrary to yours so that you can challenge your, your ideas. You know, you can't always be right, but you know, I, I digress, but um, you know, the thing about Kanye and he said it like we uh, meaning the, the black culture, the, the black community, except that, hey, we have to be on the left, right? And part of that issue is because the left has provided some things for us, yeah. uh, in a sense, but not not in an effective way, not in a way that, uh, you know, with their initial plan, which was to empower folks that were, were left out and didn't have the same opportunities so that they can eventually get to a point where they can uh, uh, stop relying on, on the government so much but here we are uh since the days of um uh, fdr uh still relying on these social programs and the unintended consequence of that is that it it has affected society uh, in certain negative aspects um i i think again when you think about the welfare state the fact that hey you know at one point in the 60s um you you saw this uh uh the shriveling, this this uh, decimation of the black family where, you know, these um these housing projects began to get propped up in Chicago in, in particular. Exactly. It's, so it's interesting that Kanye was there, but these housing projects began to get propped up. um, And in that you started to see certain rules right. where, hey, to live in this particular housing project, um, you couldn't have a husband. There couldn't be a male figure there. And just bear with me for a second. I think it's intertwined with what happened in terms of black leaders uh, being ruined and destroyed and, and killed off. Uh, obviously, with Cohen, uh and and you know FDR. Uh, excuse me, um, uh, uh, Hoover uh, leading that charge and saying that hey, our biggest fear in America is. Uh, uh, the black people having a black messiah or someone to pull them out of their situation, show them that they can do things on their own. In a nutshell, so it, it it was a multi-tiered approach to getting that accomplished, right? And so what they did was remove the leaders. You create these housing projects. You start to give these people hope that hey, this is the only option that you have out there. And then, you know, you get an influx of drugs and guns in these communities. Uh, with the uh, '80s crack era uh, epidemic that came about, and that effectively was effectively was a way for these people to kill themselves, kick to kill off each other, and for uh America to create the strong prison industrial um uh, system that it has in place now. But I mean, it speaks to precisely what to what Kanye was trying to accomplish because again, there were nuggets of wisdom in there. I mean, put the other stuff aside. He talked about. Yep first of all, um, having ownership and being able to, to have something as opposed to trying to uh, be offered something or given something. And the truth of the matter is you got folks on the left that don't really care about uh, exactly. black people, so to speak, that aren't. I mean, again, it, it, it's, I think it's, it's two, two particular groups. One um, that, that says, hey, we don't care about what color you are. We don't care who you are. Uh, it's about pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps and making the best out of your life. Right. And you got another group that doesn't care either, but they're like, you know what, we're going to help you uh, to pull yourself up, but they don't really help is the thing. And and we have to push back, meaning the black community uh, to Republican, uh, excuse me, democratic leadership, because there has to be a change. I mean, have, have things become better? Have things gotten better to a certain extent? Sure. But, I mean, I feel like we lost an opportunity in terms of black exactly. people just letting um uh, the message oh. uh, uh, soak in, uh, soaking in the message, taking it in, and then having a larger conversation about it. We got lost in the fact that, hey, you got this guy in Trump that uh, tradition uh, historically that doesn't have the best views on uh, black folks. I mean, you know, you, you talk about some of the things he has said about um uh, Haiti in terms of it being a a crap hole country, places in Africa. And I I don't, I would say that there's a large percentage of people that feel like that, but that may not share those thoughts and say them out loud, right? And so Trump just doesn't have a filter. And my thing is like, forget that, man. I'd rather, you know, if a person's racist, for them to be outright and say it to me as opposed to being covert. And, and, and keeping it on the low, you know, because that way it, it can try to trick me and make me feel that they're on my side when they're when they're really not. And so, you know, Kanye also mentioned the heroic uh, uh, right. uh, journey, a hero's journey, that is. And that resonates with me a whole lot because right. I feel people are too caught up in this day and age, in the age of social media, with worrying about the next person right. and commenting on what someone else is doing we all have a hero's journey that we are here to accomplish. Uh, Trump seems to have been pretty successful on his hero's journey. Now, I'm I'm curious to see how the journey plays out because if you look at that journey, uh, if you ever get a chance to Google it, um, it shows you that at some point you're going to face some calamity. And so I don't know if he has necessarily faced that maybe during his whole uh, uh, bankruptcy issue and and getting out of that and then still being a billionaire could have been that. But if Robert Mueller comes out Uh, with some uh, startling news that implicates him in in any nefarious activity, then he's going to have some problems here. Uh, We'll see how that plays out because he was able to place Kavanaugh uh, on the Supreme Court. So maybe that was him putting his uh, or or moving his chess pieces. But on its face, Trump has been pretty successful on his hero's journey. And it seems Kanye is becoming successful on his hero's journey because first of all two two phenomenal things from a hip hop standpoint that happened that day. The last two things that I think about this whole Kanye West situation that was phenomenal and especially from a hip hop standpoint, uh a hip hop legal standpoint so to speak, um uh Kanye West saying mother effer in the oval office. That is hip hop right. all the way. <laughs> I don't think that's ever happened. And look, people forget that historically that there's going to be people that that uh 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 uh, do historical um, breakdowns of what happened during the Trump presidency. And that's in the books. And then the second thing, he got a sitting president to say that, Hey, this guy could potentially become right. president at some point. And, and if you ask me, man, that's what it's all about. That's his hero's journey. We all have our hero's journey and uh, hopefully, you know, we get better at trying to accomplish our journey instead of worrying about the next person's yeah. journey
0: right thank you for for that um i'll just make some final responses final thoughts about the kanye situation and also uh, the thing you mentioned about the welfare state the uh, african americans having the feeling that they have to remain so, so to speak loyal to the left um here's my th- thought on mm-hmm. it because i think that um one of the main thing that things that did appeal to black people um in america that they thought that which gave them reason to believe that the Democrats actually cared about them and, and wanted to help them, was definitely the welfare state because the Democrats were like, okay, we're offering you these benefits, um, direct benefits, but what th- they didn't see the, the harm that they could cause because that's, that happens to all beneficiaries, so-called beneficiaries of the welfare state, is that they, once they rely on the government for their livelihood, they become entirely dependent. They can't make money for themselves. They can't be independent. They can't be self-reliant. So then, it causes a poverty trap, and that's what's happened in a lot of black communities. Also, the problem with black fatherlessness that happens because of the fact that the welfare state is so big, and women can essentially marry the government, which means that they can rely on the government to um, supply their their children with a livelihood, and that that has majorly what is that is majorly what has caused black fatherlessness, as the welfare state has uh, enlarged, black fatherlessness has also increased, and that's one of the biggest problems, in my opinion, that. Uh, plays the black community today in in the United States of America. Uh, so th- there's a lot of things about 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 that about the about the left and how they've managed to appeal. But I, I think there is a, a serious problem with the way that they're going about it. Uh, the problem there's problems with affirmative action. There's problems. It, it hurts the people who do it in the in the first place. It causes high dropout rates. Uh, I won't go into too much detail about that. But there's a lot of these policies that on the surface seem like they may be beneficial to. Um, african-american folks but actually ter- ter- turns out that they hurt them more than um, any other policies if, if i could of. just add add
1: one little thing here Anish. and again I, I like to challenge both sides of it right my fiance uh right. she, she's an attorney and and she you know we she's a conservative right through and through uh a black woman and we have this conversation all the time my thing is like all there are there real alternatives on the other side that doesn't mean effectively closing these social programs, uh And then giving someone the opportunity to pull themselves up by their own bootstraps. Because what happens if someone doesn't have bootstraps or doesn't have boots? So, you know, and it's a it's a tough conversation. It's a tough there aren't, I think, any real answers to it. But I think, again, when folks come together and have their real conversation without being so judgmental, uh, then maybe we can accomplish something. But go ahead.
0: Right. I think I think the first step is to make the welfare state smaller. And like you said, yes, there is a lot of problems. Like um, even if we do cut these benefits, um, we don't really know how well um, after such a long time they'll be able to actually have the ability to um, make a living for themselves. But considering the fact that it is the US, if we're talking about India or China, for example, Mm -hmm. um, we have huge problems with poverty. Mm. So it's not that easy just to make it a free market and everyone will be fine because there's problems with poverty. But the thing about in the US is a lot of the times if you're in a state of um, like bad a bad state financially, a lot of the times there are opportunities to improve that. So I think we need to focus on giving people opportunities mm. rather than giving them direct benefits. If mm. You know what I mean?
1: That's true. And, but you know, it has to be a paradigm shift in thinking. And that's why I always like to say hip hop had a powerful, um, uh, way of doing that. Because imagine if you had artists spewing that message, like, Hey, empower yourself, uh, find a way to do something that isn't negative, where you can make negative uh, money. That's going to, uh, uh, end up having you being locked up in prison. Uh, you know, as opposed to what they're doing now, then maybe we would have more people that are equipped to do that. But I think if for a lot of people, they're so reliant and been conditioned to it because this is a generational issue in certain communities where grandma was on welfare, mom was on welfare. Now the daughter has two children at the age of 16 and she's on welfare. And unfortunately in America, the beacon of capitalism, it's a dog eat dog world. So I, I know that I have a lot of friends on the right that are well off financially, uh, that really, their intention is just strictly hey, from a f- financial standpoint, I'm, I want to pay less taxes, and, and that's it. You know, I'm going to do my little bit of welfare to give back, but I don't think it's enough where, you know, we would be able to take care of the folks that really can't take care of themselves. And so a lot of people might get hurt by it if something drastic happens like that.
0: Anyway, um, th- that'll actually. Uh, be time to wrap yep. up for this podcast uh thanks a lot for being on we had a great discussion we'll definitely uh, do this again sometime talk about Absolutely. some other things um definitely there are some insightful insightful things on both ends of the conversation uh thank you Thought. for being on the podcast uh this has been your host anis Satpute with i am true wealth if i'm not mistaken that's your yes, instagram account uh, be sure to check him out be sure to follow the tst podcast uh at TST Politics on instagram uh, and that'll do it. For and us.
1: also the Hip Hop Legal podcast.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, forgot to mention that. So, um, wealth and, and I'm going to bring you on as well, Nish. For sure, that'd be great. That'd be great. Yeah. So wealth also hosts his own podcast called the Hip Hop Legal podcast. So be sure to check that out. You can find it uh, through his Instagram account. So that'll do it for us today. Uh, at the sign of the dollar.